picture. And so in 2022, I would say, I believe God wants to do that type of work because I believe it's a place of maturity and of spiritual health. And we live at that place of saying, I'm going to be honest in the place of perspective. And when I think about this, this wisdom writing of Ecclesiastes, I believe that Ecclesiastes really is all about just building a healthy God perspective on how we view everything we're dealing with, struggling with, and processing in life. And that's what I want to dive into. I would encourage all of you right now, every single person here has free access to Right Now Media, right? It's just an app you can have on your phone, right? Right Now Media, it's a website you can go to. Vintage has a subscription and anybody can have it for free. I think it's actually, if you're a first time guest, you can get it today in our little um, ba- our little bags over here. There's information on how to sign up free for Right Now Media. But right now, media, have, they partner with lots of people. But one of them is the Bible Project. You may have watched one of the Bible Project videos. My gosh, they're just so simply profound. And so I would encourage you, go listen to the video that they do on Ecclesiastes. You can do every book of the Bible, right? They're great. But they basically try to make this, like, kind of build this kind of overarching picture of what these books are about, and specifically Ecclesiastes. And then on the phone app, they literally have, like, day by day by day that you can go through questions you're processing and asking. So I just invite you to do that. It's really, really great. I started watching. I'm like, oh, this is so, they make it simple, and it's profound, and it's life-giving. And so I encourage you to do that. All right. So, hey, in that again, I want to use the wisdom. I want to use the wisdom of Ecclesiastes for this week and next week. Uh, to lead us, which I believe is to a life of healthy maturity, honestly, meaning, and purpose. Now, when you think about the Bible, I'm going to do kind of just some foundation laying right here to begin. You probably know this, but the Bible has several different styles of writing that make up the whole, which means you don't read all of the Bible the exact same way because each of them are written differently with a different style, with a different expectation, anticipation. How many of you know, even from English class, that when you read, you read poetry and interpret it differently than you do a history book? They're just different styles of writing. And so the Bible is that way, too. The Bible has different styles of writing that make up the whole. Again, you have the poetry of Psalms. You have the apocalyptic style of, of writing from Revelation in the second half of Daniel. You have history all throughout Scripture, whether it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, going through First and Second Kings, right, First and Second Chronicles, right? And then you have the epistles, where you have the letters that Paul writes or that James writes. And then you have the wisdom writing, the wisdom writing of, of Proverbs, the wisdom writing of, of Job, of Song of Solomon, and specifically Ecclesiastes. And so in this, all are important, but each are read a little bit differently. We're looking at Ecclesiastes. It's a wisdom writing. The intent of wisdom writing is not to tell stories, not to describe history. It's not trying to attempt to build relationship or speak of the future. But here's the definition. Wisdom writing is simply, and this is my definition, there's probably a better, but it's simply to speak about what is true for the purpose of empowering a person to live their best life. 
That's just my definition. Again, there are better. I encourage you to go find them. But wisdom writing is simply to speak what is true for the purpose of empowering a person to live their best life. Have you ever sat down with grandpa or grandma and they you said something and they kind of did that look and their sage eyes and their sage voice, they begin to speak something from their history that you need to learn from. That's the nature of wisdom. So again, this wisdom, speak about what is true for the person of empowering a person to live their best life. You see that in Proverbs and Song of Solomon, you see it in the life of Job, and you see it here in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written with that purpose in mind from the perspective of an older, wiser sage who has lived life and has now has something to say to every future generation. So when we talk about this, we talk about our response. So wisdom requires a response, and our response is to listen, to learn, and course correct. That's the idea. Just very simply, when you read through, when you read through wisdom, I don't care if it's in the scripture or any other type of writing. When you're reading wisdom writing, the idea is to is to read it for the intent to learn. To listen and to learn and course correct. I think we all know that when we're listening to people who know better than us, who have been there, who've experienced that, who've walked a mile, right? We look at them and go, I don't really want to listen because my pride doesn't want to let me, but I know that I should because they are smarter than me, they know better than I do, and they have a level of wisdom, That's why I love having the gray, praise God, because this makes you know I'm super wise and smart, right? Because somehow we attach gray, even in the Proverbs. It talks about, right, this wisdom that comes from gray hair, right? It doesn't really know what I'm getting at, though. But there's this this piece. We look at people like, oh, they probably know better than we do. There's that piece around wisdom. And so we talk about wisdom writing. That's the intent. Someone is coming alongside because they have something to teach us that we need to listen to, that we need to learn from. It's like when Jesus, multiple times in the New Testament, says, He who has ears to hear, let them hear what I'm about to say. Because he was about to speak something that was true, something that was wise, that they would just stop. They would open up their ears with intentionality and listen. They would then be able to learn, and in their life, they would be able to course correct. How many of you... And you understand this idea. How many of you have ever thought about, if we're honest, how much wiser you are today than when you were whatever age you think about? Like, I think for me, I, I, I kind of I honestly start thinking about, about age 13 moving forward. 13 to like, like all the way through college. And I sit there and I, and I, and the older I get, the more I think to myself, man, if I could just go back to that 14-year-old. If I could just go back, if I could just speak into him identity, if I could just speak into him the lie of popularity, if I could just speak into him how good-looking he really is, right? So now whatever it may be, right? There's just those pieces that you wish that you could just go back and the reality is, it doesn't matter how old you are, right? Even if you're like 18, you're like, I can just go back to my 14-year-old self and just speak. Why? Because you understand intuitively how wisdom works. 
you get to this place of experience, having worked through things and having learned, if you wish you could just speak, and it's what parents, isn't that what you feel like with your kids? I sell the time to real. I wish I could just take what I know and just get it into the girls. I just wish I could, because that's just the nature of wisdom. And so when we think about wisdom writing, Again, there's so many theological pieces, too, and things you could dive into, but that's just the heart of it. It's someone who's been there, who's done that, who's experienced it. He says, seen everything under the sun. And in that, there's a level of perspective that you've created, isn't it? About life, what's important, how things work. And the great thing about wisdom that it's supposed to be shared. And so in this, that's what Ecclesiastes is doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on that point because I invite you to, to, to listen. Like this is, again, here's the deal. It's not about me. I'm asking you to listen to God's spirit. Like I'm going to go, wah, 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 and then something's going to come out of my mouth that is actually from Jesus. All right? And I, want, and I hope that you're listening so you can learn from Jesus in that moment. And then, quote, unquote, course correct. You know what I mean when I say it like that. It's just all of a sudden set my eyes right here, and we know that course correct really is under the person of Jesus. All right, so with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your wisdom. We ask this morning, God, and next week as we dive into these pieces, we just say, God, would you rise up with your voice? I pray to help me to get out of the way, and I pray, God, that you would come and speak through me. All for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So as we said last week, again, kind of laying out some foundational pieces, and again, there's so much more you could read into this, but there are, this is important about Ecclesiastes, you know, there are two primary contributors in Ecclesiastes. You have the author, and then you have the teacher. The author, and then the teacher. Teacher is known as ulet in the Hebrew, but the author, the author is the one who is actually writing and compiling everything in Ecclesiastes. And the teacher is the person whose story he's using to make his point, right? So you have the author, the person who's like, and he says in verses 1 and 2, meaningless, meaningless. This is what you need to learn. Meaningless, meaningless. We'll look at this in a second, right? And then he says, now here's the voice of the teacher. And then all the way at the end of chapter 12, verse 8 to the very end, you hear the author again. This is a very normal style of writing. And to be honest with you, you use this style of teaching all the time with your kids and with your friends and your family. Let me give you just a really, really terrible example. You ready? So with my kids, they're over here. Anna, Catherine, and Sarah looking super cute today, by the, by, by the way, guys. Good job. So you've got, you've got the girls, and I'm their dad, right? <clears throat> and so I'm the author of the story in this moment. And I look at them as the author, right? And say, hey, you should never text and drive, right? I'm the author. Let me tell you the story of this girl who I heard about. She's the teacher. Her story is the teacher. She was driving down the road. She looked down at her phone to text. Just as she was coming around a blind corner, she went off the side of the road, over the edge. Her car landed at the bottom, and she died. You should not text and drive, right? You see how I'm the author, I'm using this person's horrible story to be the teacher, and then I come back at the end to be the author. All I'm getting at is that's how Ecclesiastes is broken down. You have this unknown wisdom writer 
who was probably looking at the life of Solomon and saying, hey, this is true. I'm going to use Solomon as the example and the teacher in our story. And I'm going to come back at the very end and remind you again from what you've just heard from the teacher, what is true and what is wise. So that's the model that you have here. You have the author, you have the teacher, and then you have the author again on the back end. That's what's happening here. So the great wisdom of Ecclesiastes, this is what the author's primary point is. He says it over 32 times throughout the, the message, the wisdom writing of Solomon. He says this, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. He says it again in chapter 12, verses 8 through 15. But he says, comes and says this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And that is wisdom. That is wisdom. Now, the interesting thing here, the Hebrew word here, kind of written down, interpreted as meaningless, is the word hebel, H-E-B-E-L, or H-E-V-E-L. The Hebrew word hebel. And it literally means vapor or smoke. It is meant to make the point that everything in life we give ourselves to, that we focus on, the things that we worry about like a vapor, they're meaningless, they're temporary, or they're fleeting. It's the idea of like smoke. I look at smoke, and smoke, it seems solid, it seems complete, it seems whole, but you go to grab it like a vapor, and you put your hand, and it just goes straight through it. That's the idea of Hebel, meaningless, temporary, is fleeting. And this whole point saying everything is like that, good and bad things. Worry is it's fleeting. But here's the other thing about it. It's interesting. So are good things. You remember the best vacation you ever took in your life that was good? Remember, for those of you who are married, your honeymoon? Can I just talk about that right? Amazing time. And it's temporary, fleeting. It's no longer there. All you have is the memory of it. So what he's getting at is a wisdom writing saying everything in life, things that are good, things that are bad, things that are stressful, things that are pleasurable, all of these things, they're just meaningless because they don't have eternal value. They don't last forever. They are temporary like a vapor and like a smoke. And so this is the beginning point of perspective in life. I think as we grab hold of this wisdom, as we begin to grab hold of this truth, it awakens what I believe is an eternal perspective. That's the heartbeat behind it. Why is it important to begin to see things as being meaningless? That's a really negative word, Steve. And it seems a little overwhelming. And I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that. But I don't know about you. But when I begin to get to a place of beginning to see life as meaningless, like a vapor, then all of a sudden I begin to recognize everything gets smaller in the context of the things that are eternal. And the eternal things are big. And I want to have a perspective of having my eyes focused on those. Because if I have my life life focus on the things that are eternal they don't let me down because they don't change so i want to focus on those rather than the temporary like that are smoke and are vapor that are temporary because they're ultimately meaningless god would you make all of those things smaller 
This is the idea of grabbing hold of wisdom to create a healthier perspective for us and how we view everything in life. The two, this is where I'm using the two greatest eternity definers. I'm not sure definers is a proper term here, but it makes sense. The two greatest eternity definers talked about the teacher, our time, which are talked about in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And he talked about death, talked about in chapter 11, verse 7 through 12, verse 7. The focus this morning is going to be on the eternity definer of time, as we see in chapter 1 again, verses 3 through 11. I'm not going to read all of those verses because they all kind of are just, they're just different descriptions of the same thing. So I'm just going to pull some select verses out, verses 4 and 6, and then verses 10 and 11. Kind of gets the heartbeat of everything. You can read the entire thing. But it says this, generations come and generations go. Generations talking about people, right? Talking about people, talking about passions, talking about their giftings, or talking about their accomplishments, all the, all the things we mark as success, to talk about all their wealth, right? All that kind of stuff, right? Generations, they just come and go, but the earth remains forever. He's talking about the earth in the context of its, the eternal nature of it. it. It's not truly eternal, right? In the sense it had a beginning place, had a beginning point, right? But the idea of like how we view it, like, generations come and go, but the earth just still remains. And he comes in and talks about, again, about something that just never changes. It says the sun rises and the sun sets. And it hurries back to where it rises every day, right? This eternal pieces. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. These things that are, that are, that are eternal in nature, these things that never change, things that are secure. He comes in in verse 10 and says, is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Have you ever had one of those moments when looking at something majestic in creation where you then realize how small you actually are, or maybe even how small your perceived struggles are in comparison to the full scope of life. That moment you're like, oh, golly, I really am small. That's the heart of the teacher people. He's saying people come and go, but the earth is constant. The wind always blows, but your life is a vapor. The sun rises and falls every day in time. You will not rise again in the morning because you have an end. Time teaches us that our lives are temporary. Y'all know this past fall, Randall and I had a gift of going over to Switzerland. I've told you the stories about sitting there and looking at mountains, right? Never forget this one day, one little town of Murin, and we hiked all the way down to Gimmelwald. It was like a 45-mile hike. I'm just kidding. It was a mile and a half downhill. But anyway, so all that to say, we walked downhill, we hiked, we get there, and this beautiful town stuck in town. They literally cannot do anything to, uh, in a sense of like, get it where they can use it for um, tourism because it's like in a, in a snow slide or 
avalanche place. And so everything that's happening in Gimelbald is the same as it was hundreds of years ago. It's so cool to watch these families, right? So we walk through, we're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We get to the little hostel slash restaurant. We go to the second level and we think we're eating lunch. And we're sitting there and I'm looking out over it in this moment. I see right here, there's a there's an alp right here, snow capped right here. There are literally some sort of bird. I don't know what they were. They were like base jumpers whose parachutes were open, right? And I'm sitting here looking as I look across the way. It's all these mountains. It was one of those days, guys. One of those days where it was like 70 degrees, zero humidity, perfect blue sky, right? Brandon and I are getting along. So it was a perfect day, right? It was so good. We got along the entire trip. I was just a joke, right? Make sure you're paying attention. So anyway, we're having this beautiful moment. And this is no lie. I'm sitting here looking in this alp. I'm like, it's so big. And all of a sudden, I thought about this. I wonder how many people have sat almost in this exact same seat from generations past and have looked at this same mountain. And I have no idea who they are what their names are. I don't know anything that they accomplished or failed at in life. I wonder how many people coming after me will literally sit now in this same chair and they will not know anything about me. They will not know my name. They will not know any of my accomplishments. They will not know any of my relationships, or the influence that I ever had. And in the moment, I looked at the mountain that made me do this, and I felt small. And it was a gift. The reality and perspective was, oh, I'm small This mountain has an eternal nature to it, right? That it doesn't change. Everyone who sits here from hundreds of years ago to hundreds of years ahead, that's going to look exactly the same. It's unchanging. It's immovable. I am small. Here's the thing about it. It's beautiful. Hear this piece. That means my successes are small. They're hebel. They're a vapor. Hear this, but it also means my failures are meaningless. They're a vapor. They're hebel. That's the power of God's grace, isn't it? Do you see the power of that? We beat ourselves up for failures. We celebrate. I heard someone say, don't celebrate, with, don't celebrate too much with your wins, and don't beat yourself up too bad for failures. Just remember God's grace. Remember everything's meaningless. Everything is hebel. Jesus, this beautiful peace. The thing in that is I recognize the pressures of life, my insecurities, my worries and fears and anxieties. They just got smaller in the mountain, eternal mountain viewing moment because everything was put into perspective. Here's a quick perspective check for you. I want you to think back, because I'm old enough, I'm 48 years young. I'm going to look 20 years back. 
Some of you are not 20 years old yet. You can't look 20 years back, so look five years back. Let me look 20 years back. I was 28 years old. I was painfully single, desiring to meet the person, thinking I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life, right? We just had this massive kind of turnover from bosses of the world that I was living in at the time. I didn't like the new boss very much, and it felt overwhelming. Oh, my gosh, everything we work for, it's going to hell. Oh, my gosh, right? And 20 years later, I look and go, oh, gosh, it just wasn't that big. Can you think back 5, 10, 20 years ago to those things that felt overwhelming? And now with history and wisdom as a gift, you recognize uh, it was important. It was important, but it is, a, it is heavily. Because I was able to make it through it. God was with me. I never was alone. I felt alone, but I looked back and realized I wasn't. Hebel, the eternal thing never shifted. The thing I could look at that was the mountain, the thing that never moves. Like, go back sometime. Let's read Psalm 139 to you. You all know this. Psalm 139, David in poetry is writing about that nature of God being bigger than everything. I'm just going to read this. It's on the screen. You've all heard this. He goes this. This is what David says. Oh, Hebel, how eternal. Oh, you're so big. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive all of my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out. You discern my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word's even on my tongue, you, Lord, you completely know it. You hem me in behind. You hem me in before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. You're so big. If I make my bed in the depths, You're there. I rise on the wings of the dawn. If I sit on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. The light become night, right? It's so big, right? Even the darkness will not be dark to you. You are the mountain. Those things are hevel. You realize evil has a timeline, It's Hebel. It has an end date. Hebel. It's temporary. It's fleeting. Jesus is never fleeting. He's not a vapor. He is eternal. That's the perspective of 2022. God, you are not Hebel. You are not small. Oh, that's a gift, God. The teacher's opening goal here is just to help us take ourselves a little less seriously. To make much of the things that are lasting. To make much of the things that are eternal in nature. Simply stated, he wants to wake us up. We're just not really that important. That's the nature of pride. We make ourselves big and God small. The nature of humility is I put myself in right perspective of my smallness 
compared to God's greatness, and anything of value in me is because of him. Remember John said, oh, I must decrease and you must increase. He meant that holistically in his life. Don't get me wrong. Your life is valuable. How do we know that? The cross of Jesus. I don't know. Listen, I call you friends, he says. I died for you. I love you. Don't hear me say your life's not valuable. Your life is valuable. But the beautiful piece is, but, but you're not really that important compared to him. The things that you've done, they don't really have that much impact the world, when you die, is going to keep on going without you. It's not even going to be a little bump in the road. It's going to keep on going. It's about creating perspective. I know that sounds deflating, maybe a little nihilistic, but it isn't. For the wisdom teacher, it is a truth that leads to humility and to the conviction that God is big. He is in control. We're small. You don't need more of yourself, he would say. You need more of God. This morning... Our goal is to, is to listen, to learn, and to course correct, right, from the wisdom of what time teaches us. You are anxious and worried about many things. That's the words of Jesus to Martha. He's like, hey, listen, you're so worried and anxious about many things. Hebel, Hebel, they're going to fade. It's like a vapor here today and and gone tomorrow, all of our problems, all of our worries, they fade. And wisdom teaches us that God is big in the middle of them. Perspective, set our gaze upon the mountain that doesn't move, right? The sun that gets and rises and falls every day. The waves that continually crash, right? And reminding us of the bigness and the greatness of God. And when we get to that place of Hebel, the truth is freeing. I sat there and looked at the mountain and I felt free. It's freeing if we then focus ourselves on the things that are bigger, bigger even than time, namely God. Invite the worship team, whoever's leading worship in our ministry time to come forward. I remember growing up, I, I remember sitting with people and, and be lots of pastors and lots of sermons and, and they would, and I heard this story, I don't know how many times, I'm going to say 15 times, I'm 48, I've heard this exact same story probably 15 times, told a little bit differently, right, from different people in different scenarios, but the story and the heart behind it is exactly the same. The story goes something like this, I'm the author right here, now here's the teacher, this is, I'm looking to play the teacher. Hey, so Steve, I sat the other day with this person who who was like a mentor of mine, a person who's like a pastor, someone who's like a spiritual father to me, a person who's a teacher. This person was so important and profound in my life. And, and I thought to myself, this is my one chance with them. Or maybe this is the last time I'll get to see them because they're flying out of state and they're getting older. So I didn't know. So I finally said, this is my moment. I'm going to ask this person the question I've been wanting to ask them. Hey, pastor, mentor, father, whatever it looks Tell me this, in all of your years, in all of your wisdom, what is the one thing that I need to know? What's the one thing that you have to share that people should know? And the stories I want always are like this. The person sat back, pondered, began smiling, and every time they said, 
Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him they look. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible, it tells me so. Fathers, we end our time this morning in prayer. God, I know that your heart's desire, Lord, is to awaken wisdom in me, to awaken wisdom in every person here, Jesus. God, you don't, it's not that you show us our smallness to show us that we're unimportant and to have a terrible self-image. It's just to create perspective. Hey, guys, it's okay. I'm the one who has to be big. I'm the one who fixes you. I'm the one who saves you. I'm the one who pours out grace. All of these things that are humble. I am not. So, Jesus, I pray for this perspective in 2022. Lord, our history the last couple of years tells us that there's going to be a lot of A lot of tension, a lot of worry, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, a lot of things that will be fleeting, things that will be like vapor, that will be super, like they're just huge in our eyes. And then we look back 10 years and go, ah, hevel. And I pray for each person here that, God, you'd begin this work of, of just like John the Baptist had of realizing, oh, it's a gift to get small. It's a gift to get small so he can get bigger. He's the mountain. All of my things are hebel, the good things and the bad things. But you, God, are unchanging. God, I pray that you would use time to do that. So we say, Jesus, come have your way. We have ministry teams available this morning. We'd love you to come and get prayer. We have communion available every Sunday. We invite you to come and you take the little cup back to your seat. Or you can do a tinction, just grab the wafer and then dip, dip it in and then you can come back to your seat. I would invite you to pray. I don't know how often you just sit before the Lord and say, God, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to listen. This would be a great time to do that. And the prayer is simply this, God, show me the vapor of everything compared to you who is eternal. And just let God begin to speak. Think about all the things in your life and just say, God, it's going to almost like they're fading away in size and breadth and width to the love of Jesus, the height, the depth, and the width, and the power of the love of Jesus. Just pray awakening. So you respond as the Lord leads. I'll close us out here in a few minutes. Feel free to worship as Toby and Blake lead.